Welcome to Belmont Banter, the official podcast of Whitstable Town FC. Every week we chat to ex-players, supporters and invited guests here on Belmont Banter. Welcome to the official podcast of Whitstable Town FC. Whitstable Town Football Club's main sponsor is Fibertech UK Limited. Hello again everyone and welcome to Belmont Banter and today well I know I've said it before we've got a figure that we all know but this guy you will know him even if you haven't seen him because you will know his voice is Mike Green. Now Mike has been around uh, let's say Radio Kent radio media for a long long time but I haven't got a clue how he first got interested in sport football cricket. Mike what was it that grabbed you first off early days? Early course, goodness me, that's a question and a half, isn't it? Um, I guess it, I got it from my dad, uh, like so many people do. He had an interest in the great game. He didn't actually go to watch any football. He just watched it on the TV, as we all did back in the day. Sad, the old Saturday night match of the day when I was a kid. And Sunday lunchtime with Brian Moore, God rest him. And the big match and whatever the other alternatives were. And I think he just got fed up where my interest grew as I went to primary school. He just got fed up with him bending his ear about actually going to see a game. I've lived in Gillingham all my life, and so Priestfield was the obvious first target, if you want. And on, this is sad as well, Saturday the 27th, 25th of February, 1978, he finally gave in and took me to my very first game of football, Gillingham against Plymouth Argyle. Wow. And what was the score? 1-1. One, one. Yeah. I've got the programme upstairs framed on the wall. Oh, fabulous. Fabulous. Um, no, it was, it, it was obviously, as a kid, uh, he, he's also, he was also a big Arsenal fan. Great. And so for me, the natural progression was go to Priestfield for a little while. Dad, when are we going to go to Arsenal? Now, unbeknown to me at that time, he had a cousin who ran a paper shop just around the corner from Highbury. Because my mum was very, well, how are you going to get there? Well, I don't fancy you going up on a train and a tube. And so dad, in a way, got reconnected with part of his family. And this cousin lived right on the end of a row his paper shop was right on the end of a row, and down the side of it was a back way into the high streets. To, well, I don't want to call it high streets, probably something called completely different. The row of shops. So every time we went, he waited until Dad um, got there. Dad went in and said hello. He came out and lifted the security bar off, and we parked around the corner. Oh, fabulous. And... But it was we only he, he only we only went once or twice a season, yeah. Um, and that was in the that was in the days of uh, people like Terry Neal, Don Howe, Pat Jennings was in goal, my first all-time footballing hero, and people like Sammy Nelson, Frank Stapleton, Liam Brady, you know all those sort of players. And I don't know if you've ever seen the film Fever Pitch. No, I haven't. Actually, one of the few I've not seen. Oh, watch for any football fan. Because that could, the, the young character depicted in that, Colin First character, I think it is, if memory serves, was me to a T. 
the way that film got walking into Highbury in the first place and then walking into the top tier of the stand to sit down, I can relate so much to that. It's almost a self-biog. But no, as we um, went to, a, went to the, the first game at Highbury was against Norwich in, uh, I think it was about April 79, a couple of weeks before they played Man United in the cup final that Arsenal won 3-2. Oh, God, dear. You're, you're a bit of a memory man as well. Sadly. <laughs> the wrong place. <laughs> some some people some people have said to me in the past. I know a lot of a very rude word about a lot, and not a lot of what I think anything useful. About but, all, about all, about all. Yes, I know what you mean. It, yeah, it, it's memories, isn't it, Tony? Yeah, it, it, it is. It's what it's what football for me is all about. Yeah. One one thing you can always look back on. There are always going to be memories. Very true. Um, and I think. Anybody who loves football, like you, your good self does, like I yeah. do, like others like us do, will always have those memories. Very true. So when did you physically yourself start getting involved? When did you first kick a ball? Um, I think I was, I played for a team in, I don't know why, but I never actually played for anybody in the Medway Towns uh-huh. as, as a kid. I, played, I, I was at Moat Park in Maidstone one Saturday afternoon, one I can't remember what day or week it was, I couldn't tell you. Um, and Dad and I were just kicking a football to each other. And this guy came up to us and said, are you looking for someone to play for? Because he was he ran a team in the mate, one of the Maidstone leagues. All right. Um, and was a short of players. Wow. Um, and so we basically got in touch with this gentleman. He actually lived in one of the roads off of Moat Park. Um, I went to play for a, a team called the Dolphins. That's not one I've heard of. No, I don't. I don't. Th- I don't know if they're around or not. If it, I don't know if they're around or not, or not. I've got no idea. No. Um, but we played. I want, I'll never forget what the pitch we played on. It was on a slope. It had the old metal posts that didn't come out, and down one side of the pitch was people's back gardens. Oh, down the other, down the other side of the pitch were people's garages. <coughs> Crikey. And it wasn't a very big pitch. Um, I remember actually threw the ball length of it once, and that was when that was at 15 years old. <laughs> All right, I know, I know I'm a fairly big guy. <laughs> back in his seat, just to reiterate the point. Um, but <laughs> it, it was a str- it was strange. It was strange. I had a couple of years over there. I've what? never been the most fleet of foot people. What position did you play? I mean, you are a big guy, so were you big then? Yes. So you tell me. Um, centre back. A bit further back, goalkeeper. Goalkeeper, really? With glasses on. No. You don't often see that, do you? You're not allowed it anymore by a lot of leagues. Oh right, okay. A safety purpose, a safety. Yeah, I, yeah, I can see the reasoning for you and the other players. Yeah. Um, but no, I play, and because I was playing in the Maidstone League, we played in some of the most ridiculous places you can feel remember mm. remember one remember one year we played um at, in Bindon. yeah one of the villages and we actually played in the cow field well there's not much out there other than that is there no nah. beautiful part of cape mind oh it's beautiful i love and, it there um, but uh, the football pitch was a cow field during the week yeah wow a cow field that wasn't cleaned no fun <laughs> especially as a goalkeeper diving about 
Yeah, won't go into that too much. No. <laughs> but no, it was, it was good. And I, and as, as everybody does, as you as you go through school, I think there's addition of that you have when you go to work of sitting down around your desk on a Monday morning talking about the weekend's football. Yeah. That's where it starts from, isn't it? Yeah, it's true. That's where that is where it starts from. So from that team, how long did you stay with them then? It was only a couple of years because the team basically got to under 16, under 17, they've just unfolded. Yes. Primarily because the guy who took had taken over at that point, um, if memory serves correctly, he he was moved away by his off his work. All right, okay. Um, and then I didn't really play again much until, oh crikey, until I was probably in my late 20s. All right. What, still in goal? Yeah, still in goal. Still with glasses? Uh, alternating between them and contact lenses. Oh, right, okay. And then unfortunately I um, was, I found myself with a stomach ulcer. Oh dear. Uh, I, was only, I was only 21. Um, I didn't actually know the summer cold, so I had it until it burst. I had it until it burst and perforated my my duodenum. So that was sport done for you then? Uh, from a, it was for a number of years. Yeah, it's one why I really stopped because because of the operation they had to because in the technology back then they had to sew the thing back yeah. up. Basically, I've got a zip from yeah. my belly button to about up my chest. Um, so obviously being a, being a goalkeeper, that's one thing you get over. No, definitely not. So, right, okay, well, as I started off by saying to everybody that you're now very well known as a, as a, in the media, how did that all come about then, Mike? Ironically, through the sport of ice hockey, I um, started watching um, the Medway Bears ice hockey team that were back in the day. Yes, I remember. And... I got into, I was met, at that point, I was involved with the Gillingham Supporters, Gillingham FC Supporters Association. And we ran an event for, ironically, Pudsey Bear. All right. I, it was a, a county wide, we invited kind of clubs from all over the county to a fire side competition in the Street Sports Centre. And to get what we needed for that, a Gillingham game, I went to sort to see the radio Kent reporter that was there that day, which just happened to be John Warnick. Oh right, good old John. Yeah, and um, we I got talking to him. We we got on we got to know each other over a few, over a few weeks. Basically, for me, pestered him to what can we do for this? What can we do for that? <laughs> come and see us on the day. That sort of rubbish. Yeah, and. It was only about the week, a week or so after when I was talking to him and letting know how we got on, that I said to him, why don't you ever have anything for the ice hockey on the radio station? And he basically explained why and said, well, we, we're happy, we'd be happy to put do it, but there's no one available to go on a Sunday evening. And when in mind, in those days, there was dear John and dear the great Neil Bell who were there. Um, with the greatest respect to a sport outside of football and cricket that you normally see, mm -hmm. there's a lot of sport there that isn't that they they couldn't cover. No, true. And you're talking well beyond well before the days as we're talking now, yeah. with technology helping. And in those days, you literally had to go to a place to report on it. Yes. Or go to see somebody to do any sort of interview with them. Yes. 
I said to John, I've got no problem doing it. I'm, I'm a season ticket holder. I go every week anyway. Mm. So he made some arrangements and I finished up by picking up one of these enormous great tape recorder things that you now see on Antiques Roadshow that yeah, are worth hundreds of thousands of hundreds of pounds. Yeah. The bloody things never work what I wanted. Never seen <laughs> <I thought. laughs> Good. And, it, and we had the spools of the old spools of tape that we had to load onto the machine and and basically we got to the stage where after a game I'd go and talk to the one of the either one of the coaches or the manager of the team, talk to them for a couple of minutes, and then literally just drop the tape into the radio station on the way home. All right. Um, and that's where it all started from, really. Wow. So you didn't have any real training as such then? No. None at all. None at all. None at all. And yet you've, you've... in some sorry in some no. respects I think that that possibly helped. I. When I started doing football for them, that just came on, on an off-chance conversation I was having with someone down there um, about their, their um, about doing some non-Kent League games. Um, because, again, when the Jules weren't playing at home, I'd go and watch a Kent League game, yeah. which I think is how I came to the Belmont for the first time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, again, it was a question of, oh, we haven't got anybody to do it. I said, well, if I go to a game and the Jules aren't at home, I'm happy to do something for you, do some, take some stuff for you, or you, or you can, or if you, or you can ring me on a mobile. Um, and that's basically where it started. And it got, it got to the stage where I was enjoying it more and more rather than watching, um, well, and watch, go and watch the Jules every week. Yeah, I think it's what you, it's something you grow out of, don't you? Everything, something that's there in front of you every week. Yeah. Sometimes you want to kind of step away from it. Yes. And um, one of the first thing, one of the things um, you've, you've mentioned about the training side of things. One of the first things that I was told, one of the first things that came up in a conversation, was that they didn't want me to do it as you'd hear it on Radio Two, Radio Five. It is now. They wanted it more from a spec from a fans' point of view. Yes. Um, which to me, local that's what radio, local radio is all about. It is. Yeah. And it still is. Yeah, it is. Um, and it was just something that seemed to progress from there. Seemed to snowball from there. Now you say snowball, and it certainly did because you've reported at cup finals, you've been well. You haven't just been to Whitstable, you've been quite a few places, haven't you? No, but you, you say not just at Whitstable, but in some respects, I think it was actually a Whitstable trip that point me in the right, make me do things, but it seemed to point me in the right direction. Mm -hmm. um, and I am referring to the weekend at North Ferriby. All right. That is in obviously Belmont folklore. Yes, absolutely. When Wayne, when Wayne Godden's side got so, so close. Yeah. To Sometimes. get into, well, I think it was the semi-finals of the Vars, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I, I, I didn't go then. I, I hadn't quite joined the club properly then, but uh, no, I didn't go. But it was quite an event, wasn't well, it? Was it? Was it that long ago, Tony? It was that long ago. <laughs> yeah, it was. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> uh, but I, I remember, I'll never forget that weekend, simply because I think it was the first time that I'd actually been to an away to a game outside Kent. 
with a club because the guys travelled up on a Friday. Yeah. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be invited up on the team coach. Yeah, brilliant. Did you stay um, in the hotel? Stayed in the hotel. Yeah. A whole, whole railway station with obviously great people like Joe and Connie and Silver and, and everybody else. It was a yeah. fantastic day. Yeah. They still tell stories about it now, Mike, honestly. That doesn't surprise me. They doesn't really do. Me. Every now and again, every now and again, you'll get a snippet from one of the ex-players, you know, and it all, it all comes back. To me, the one person, for me, the one person who came out of that trip, me having some sort of real firm friendship with, uh, a footballing friendship with, yeah. was Wayne Gordon. Yeah, brilliant. Because I sat with him, I sat with him for a couple of hours on the on the with on the bus coming back, and it was the first time I actually spoke, sat down and spoken to Wayne, mm. and it was a uh, I couldn't tell you now what we said. <laughs> My memory was not that good, um, but it, it was just it, it it just to me summed up what football away from the pitch is and should yeah. be, and the way it should be, and what it means yeah. to people. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Even, even though the side had lost. Whitstable Town Football Club's main sponsor is Fibertech UK Limited. You, you were still, you had a, what was it, a four or five hour coach trip back in those days. Yeah. Because uh, you can have the super duper coaches you've got now. And it was just phenomenal. Yeah. It really was. And I think when I look back on it, I think um, my experiences when um, Deal won the Vars in 2000, probably came out of that because in some respects I knew what you could do with football clubs and what you can do with relationships and how you can combine the three. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're aware that I've done a couple of uh, interviews with Tommy Sampson and Tommy speaks very highly of you and, uh, you know, other, other media guys in, the, in Kent, Nigel Munson, you know, all sorts of, he, honestly, he really does. I'm not just saying that because you're in front of me. He, he did say to me, get Mike Green on. He's a wonderful man. Nice guy, isn't um, he? What happened to Tommy is such so sad. Tragic, isn't it? So sad. And he's a bit misunderstood because he, he admits himself he's egotistic. He, he comes across as a bully in, in the way that he approaches stuff. He's a know-it-all. He's said all this himself, but fundamentally at the bottom of it, he's a good guy. I will never ever forget that Vars trip with um, Deal. We there's there was there's a couple of things that will always stay in my mind, apart from the final itself. They had a one of their away games was um, let me get this right. On one of the away games, they stayed stayed in a hotel, um, and I was fortunate enough to be allowed to go. And stay, and not to stay with them the night the, the night before because I had to. I was working in those days because mm. all this was the radio was just part time. Yes, of course. I, I had a, a proper job in the city, and many Saturday mornings I'd be up at the crack of dawn yeah. at the radio station picking all the gear up and going. Yeah. And this one particular day um, was one of their trips. I can't. Believe, I think it was when they played away to Crook Town. All right. In the depths of the northeast, mm -hmm. my God, it was a long way. It really was. It was a freezing cold day, and they 
won very well against a very good side playing in their own backyard. It, it really was well. When I talked, when I talked, to, did something to look back on the 20 years for um, Ken Sport News last year, I spoke to a lot of the players and nearly every one of them said Crook was the turning point when they started believing they could win it. Well, Tommy, and, Tommy said exactly the same thing. He said the same. Exactly. I, I, I digress a little bit. Anyway, the thing I, I remember that, I th I'm sure it was... Um, I'm sure it was that night, but I'm not sure. Um, I th I'm sure it was a crook away game. They stayed in a hotel that was, because obviously where it, where it was up in that part of the world, you're out in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And there was a local village down the road from where the hotel was. And Tommy let the players go and celebrate and said, look, it's up to you what you do tonight. Coach leaves at X time, time in the morning. So I'm sitting in the bar. Tommy was there. Um, Steve Lovell was there. And um, Keith Listenden was around. Tommy's number two. Yeah. And one by one, the players disappeared. Yeah. And it was just the four of us sitting there in the end. And we just had a, it was just a, a wonderful night. Going back to what I was saying about Whitstable, the Whitstable guys that in, when we went to Ferriby. Yeah. Um, and Second thing I always remember about that trip was that after the semi-final, the second leg of the semi-final, we did a commentary um, which was unheard of though in those days on a Sunday afternoon. Myself, Matt Davison did, did it. Matt, I've got so much time for mm. um, that, that. That fill up another podcast. Clever guys. Um, yeah, very much. So. Kent man through and through, and Kent non-league man through and through. Even though he sports Tottenham, but I'll give him. I'll forgive him that bit. Um, <laughs> and um, we we did this commentary with Jim Ward because at the time Jim was Ramsgate's manager. Yeah, he had a great rivalry top with Tommy, but behind it, I'm sure I'm sure to this day they were still the best of friends. Yeah, and um, anyway, after Matt and Jim did the last bit of the commentary, and I just I said to Matt, I'll try and talk to Tommy straight after the final whistle, and. I was lit. I literally was down the side. I took one of these huge, great tape machines that I still had. Went down. The, went down to the side of the dugout, and when the final whistle went, I managed to sneak on, sneak on onto the pitch, and I put my arm around Tommy and just put a microphone under his under his nose. And the man was in tears, and I don't just mean in his eyes. It was in floods and floods. That's what it meant so much to him. Yeah. I think he'd been bit, he'd definitely been bitten by the VARS bug when he was um, down the road from where you are. Yeah. Am I allowed to say that? Am I to say that? You are allowed to say that, yes, of course. Um, and um, because I was with them with him the day that they got knocked out at Taunton when they had a good run. Yeah. In that in that particular camp, in that particular area, era, you had Tiverton and Taunton that were yeah. the two sides to beat. And if you would avoid them as long as possible. Absolutely. Um but the bay went down to Taunton and I lost 5-2, but it was never a 5-2 game. And I think from that moment on, Tommy just had this passion of getting to Wembley. It was something he felt he had to do. And there were so many of us who were so pleased when he did it. And yeah. there's a, there is a, there was a, I saw a picture once of me actually having my arm around Tommy when I was doing this interview. And I'll never forget he saw what he said. He said, 
Mike, Mike, we've won it. We've won it, Mike. We're going to Wembley. We're going to Wembley. We're going to win this league. I don't care. We're going to Wembley. <laughs> and Brilliant. That, to me, just summed the man up perfectly. And to be there and to actually comment, be commentating on the moment when Rowley scored the goal, yeah, that will live with me forever. Yeah, brilliant, wasn't it? Not, not just the fact that I'd, I'd been watching football by then for 20 plus years, mm. but I'd finally seen a Kent side play at Wembley. Yeah, brilliant. And I'd seen it, I, I was lucky, because it was lucky, mm. to be sitting behind the microphone telling everybody about it. Tommy very kindly sent me a, a video of the uh, the Vars run, you know, the, the final. And um, when the ball comes across, the, Steve Steve Marshall put the ball across, didn't he? He poked it across, and um, I actually thought he was going to it was going to be a diving header, but he sort of like leapt in the air and just whacked it in, didn't he? Um, I will never forget that commentary. Was that Roly Graham that scored? It was Roly who scored. Yeah. And I say, I'll never forget that commentary as long as I live. And I could sit and recite it to you now, but I'm not going to. <laughs> um, it's, it's, something, it's something I'll never forget with Steve because he was, he was almost always one of the, a player you could always talk to. Nice guy, isn't he? With or without a microphone in your hand, he'd, yeah. still, he'd still sit down and talk to you. Yeah. And I was so pleased for him because he'd worked his socks off that whole campaign. But Rowley was the one who seemed to be getting all the plaudits because he was scoring. He scored a lot, awful lot of goals for Tommy that season. I think from middle of midfield he scored nearly thirty goals. Yeah, crazy, isn't it? And he and he wasn't the top goal scorer, which yeah. is even crazier. I know, it's he was. Yeah. Um, but I actually, I spoke to I say I spoke to Rowley when I was again. I actually got managed to get in touch with Rowley in Australia, and I spoke to him for this series we did last year during lockdown. Yeah. Um. And I said to him, what was going through your mind when Steve crossed the ball to you? And he said, well, to start with, I didn't expect him to catch it. <laughs> and he said, so I, I was about 10 yards behind where I should have been. So you're quite right. When the ball came, came in, it was it was for a header. Yeah, looked like it. Um, and it, and Rowley also confessed to me when the ball actually left Steve's foot, he thought he was going to go to Phil Turner. All right. He was also up there with him. Yeah, but he was. He, because it dropped, Rowley just kept going. He just he, he he said of all the balls he's ever had in the box, that was probably the most. It it, it looks if you look at it on on the tapes now that he's timed his run to perfection. But he actually said to me, if it had been another yard further in front of me, I wouldn't have an open end again. No, he wouldn't have got it. Yeah. Um, and also, Mike, the the timing of it. I mean, what was it about two minutes to go or something? It was. It was in the 88th minute. There you go. Um, it was literally Marshy's run down the right hand side. These days, you'd say he caught a lost calls, and then to still have the abilities and the, and the stamina to get the ball over into the box. But Rowley's shot. My goodness, you've seen some crap. You what when you watch as much football as we do, Tony? You yeah. so many goals going in. Absolutely. But. There are only so many that you sit back, you sit back under, under the course of time and say, yeah. "Wow." Yeah, I, I recently I went up to Lordswood and watched a, an under 18s Lordswood versus Whitstable in the in the cup game. We lost unfortunately, but it was a good game. And while I was there talking away, somebody said to me about Steve, and I said, "Well, 
are you talking about the state Steve Marshall? He said, yeah. And, and Steve now is the coach of Lawswood Cricket Club, not the senior, the juniors. And so I went up there and, and, and met him. I went up and saw him after one of the games. And we shook hands and he introduced me to his son. His son's a good cricketer. And yeah, he's, he's in, into cricket now. He's, he's stopped football. He's, he's into sport generally. Yes. His legs are gone, so he can't play, play football anymore. Um, but he's now a coach of the uh, cricket and fair play to him. How much of that is down to the the, uh, the teas and the bar, I wonder? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Steve, if you can hit me like this, something to say, mate. <laughs> no, but it, it is great, though, isn't it? When Yes. When it, when someone who can't stay in sport passes it on. Yeah. Now, you, you've been talking, obviously, because that's your main background is about football. You've also mentioned hockey. What other sports have you commentated on then? Not many, I have to be truthful. I went through a stage of going to Brands Hatch for World Superbikes and British Superbikes. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was popular, wasn't it, back in the day? Yeah, it was. It was a great show that Brands lost the World Superbikes because to see 100,000 people in that of that place on a, on a sunny Sunday afternoon yeah. in July, mind-blowing. Yeah, and I um, believe, wasn't it? The fun getting out of the car park was too, I can assure you. Yeah, I should think so. But... Um, and if I can get into the car park in the first place, <laughs> that took that took some doing as well. Um, I love my cricket, yeah, but never we didn't really ever get going at the radio station. We we, we I know Matt Davison tried a couple of years to go. We tried doing Ken League games mm. on a Sunday, but I think it's just because of the time of the program in the end, because of, most of it finished after the program finished. Yeah. I think that's why it probably didn't run any further. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have to say golf as a watcher. Used to yeah. used to play, but I haven't picked the golf club up for a lot longer than I care to remember. Um, but was very fortunate enough to be able to cover, work on two open championships for the radio station, the Ross and Georges. Fabulous. One, my one claim to frame with regard to that is that I've got the first interview with Tiger Woods. First question to Tiger Woods after a miserable Saturday afternoon. Really? Yeah. It was, it was, it, it's strange when you, when you go to as many, as many football matches as I do and hang around out many inside of dressing rooms and bars waiting to talk to people. It's strange to go to an international event like that and then be one of about 30 or 40 trying to do the same thing and trying to get one question in. Absolutely. And I was dead lucky because Tiger came out the scorer's hunt, went to the area where he was told to go, and he stood yeah. right in front of me. Wow. So I just got the first question in. And what was that first question? What was it like before you had it today? I think I think he said, I think he'd shot about three over par and he wasn't very happy. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> it's like when you get your when you talk to a manager after the game and you say to him, what would you have done different? And they've just been beaten 5-0. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the, thing that, the thing that gets me about football reporters who ask questions like that is then they follow it up by saying, have you got any positives you can take out of that? <laughs> yes. Oh, no. I'm waiting for the day when a manager turns around to answer that question and says, yeah, the final whistle. Because that's what's important. Couldn't wait for the game the to end. Still yeah. Like, isn't it? yeah. <laughs> that's brilliant. That's really good. Well, we started off with you talking about Gillingham and you, we've gone through all the football. We've, it's been quite a journey. I've really enjoyed it. 
just finish up with uh, a, a Gillingham question for you, or not a Gillingham question, finish up with a Gillingham, Gillingham. You won't know this, but tomorrow I'm interviewing John McKindy. Oh, wow. Yeah, now the good thing about John is, uh, of course, he had a couple of spells at Woodstable when he was very young. And uh, yeah. I think I actually saw what he made one of his debuts for Woodstable. He did well. He, I, I know. I know. I've seen him play for Woodstable. Definitely. Well, you would have done. His uh, his first game for them, and we've just been talking about Lordswood, was actually at Lordswood, and we won two one, and John scored. Wow. And then I think on his second time around, he scored on his on his second time that he came to us. Yeah, so good. So that will be interesting. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. It's a and good I, and I can remember. I can remember seeing John pl play for Gravesend Stroke Ebbsfleet as well. Yeah, that's very it. well for them. Very well for them. Well, that I think we had him on loan when he was with Gravesend, Gravesend Stroke Ebbsfleet, as you say. Uh, we had him on loan. That that's how it all worked out. But I don't know. Other than that, I haven't got a clue how he got into football. Not a thing. So that'll be an interesting chat. Definitely, he's a, he's a wonderful guy as well. I've spoken to him a couple of times. Nice guy. Yeah. stuff I still do for KSN through with uh, Gillingham. Yeah, and I've spoken to John a couple of times and. On the pitch, he's what I call a good old-fashioned English centre forward. He is, isn't he? Off the pitch, he's as nice as you can, uh, nice as you can get. Nice guy. Now they tell me, and I'll find out when I interview him. They tell me he's got one or two little quirks and things that he does. Somebody mentioned to me in the weekend when I said I was me speaking to John. Ask him about the chairs. Do you know anything about chairs? I could make a comment, but I'm not going to. Okay, well, I'll wait. I've got to ask John. That. I've got to ask that John that question. So I think I think well, that's a best place. We'll leave it there because we've left it hanging in the air, and that will be coming up. So that's fine. It's been great today, mate. I've really enjoyed it. Nice to catch up, actually. And you, Tony. It's been far too long. All right, mate. I wind up here. So from me here at Belmont Banter, it sounds it sounds so strange me saying this, and from Mike Green at the other end of a phone. It's goodbye from me and we'll speak again soon. Cheers. Cheers, Mike. Thank you. Cheers, Tony. If you know anyone who has a story to add to our podcast, then email questions wtfc at mail.com. Whitstable Town Football Club's main sponsor is Fibertech UK Limited. They are providers of optical fiber services to the telecoms industry specializing in optical fiber provision, local and long haul. We offer a full turnkey solution to our clients throughout London and the south of England. Contact us through the website for more details. Your host, Tony Rouse, every week on Belmont Banter, for news about local football in Kent and beyond. I do hope that you've enjoyed today's episode of Belmont Banter. Don't forget there's a new episode out every week which comes out on a Sunday night, early Monday morning. And you can leave your suggestions for a guest to invite at the end. And leave a like and don't forget to pass it on to all your mates. Cheers.